Do you ever read something and just, it bothers you down to your core? Maybe more than it should, but it just irks your soul. I'm not talking about those Instagram posts where people are writing poetry as their captions or posting pictures of their windows, but I'm talking about when people who claim to be academically intelligent or even religious make claims that don't make sense and aren't logical. I hate when I come across these. In fact, just recently I was reading, looking up some content for a new message for you guys, and I came across this quote by John Shelby Spong. I don't know who this person is. When I looked up who they were, all it told me was he was an American clergyman born in 1931. That's all I know about him. Don't like the guy based off of this one quote. So his one quote that I disagree with was, he said, Christianity is, I believe, about expanded life, heightened consciousness, and achieving a new humanity. It is not about closed mind, supernatural interventions, fallen creation, guilt, original sin, or divine rescue. One of those things where somebody says something and it intellectually doesn't make sense first off, and second off, it does not adhere to the capital T truth that exists in the Christian faith. Irks my soul. But what irks me most about this quote is not the fact that he basically says that we are of a fallen nature or that we don't have sin or that we had to have a Savior, Jesus Christ, on the cross with divine rescue. What bothers me most about this quote is he said that Christianity is not about supernatural interventions. And something that I think is really interesting that we're going to talk about today is the idea that God will use those supernatural interventions, the things that defy creation inherently in the way it was created to be, that points to a greater understanding of our God. See, we live within a world where things are supposed to work a certain way. And when those things don't work according to the laws of nature and the laws of physics and science, ultimately it points to something greater than that of this world. And so to say that supernatural interventions does not have to do with Christianity and it is not about Christianity defines all kinds of things that go on in the Bible. And continuing in our Extraordinary Extravagant in the Exodus series, we're going to look at what God said specifically to Moses and then we're going to see how miracles played out in Acts when it came to pointing to a greater God rather than what is in this world. I'm Katie Thomas and you're listening to Being Bold MCR. Whenever I think of miracles and the different things that are talked about in the Bible, the biggest thing that I think about is how it's a display of God's power in our world. So the way that I think about it is when people say there's no evidence for God, there's none whatsoever, I always think that's completely silly. I mean, granted, the people who are saying that don't believe in the Bible, but the fact of the matter is, is God time and time again, not only in the Bible, but even extra biblical literature, Um, It's written about how weird things were going on. What do I mean by weird things? I mean, for instance, you have Jesus of Nazareth. He performed 37 miracles in his ministry that are recorded in the Bible. And in fact, I believe it's at the end of Luke or one of the Gospels. It talks about how Jesus did more things than that that could have been written in that Gospel. What are miracles then? Miracles, I think, are footprints of God in this world. And I think that. Because when God created the world, he created, it's, it's his creation. I mean, on a very small scale, it would be kind of like me making some kind of piece of art. Now, the thing about God creating the world 
is that he created it with certain laws and certain things in place that make it work a certain way to our understanding. See, we're inside the world. So all the laws and everything he made are our understanding of normal. And the reason that I think that miracles are footprints of God is because it's God taking his creation and doing something a little bit different. Honestly, it kind of makes me think of when Bob Ross is painting something and he's like, we're going to get crazy. And he adds a house right in the middle of the painting where when you're watching it, it doesn't make sense. But in his mind, he sees what it's going to do and how it's going to better the picture. And I think in the same way, God looks down at our world, the world he created to operate a certain way, and he sees something. We call on him for a need. Or in the Old Testament, he was delivering his people like we're going to look at, and God intervened supernaturally because he saw that there was something that needed to be done to better the picture for the people in his creation. Only God can do supernatural things like that. Only God can because he's the creator. So when something weird happens, science tries to explain it. People try to rationalize it. But the fact of the matter is, is supernatural intervention is specifically a part of Christianity because it is footprints of God's work in our lives and in our world that have no explanation besides how great our God is. So we're going to go ahead and pick kind of up where we left off last time, which is in chapter four of Exodus. And the one I'm reading out of the version, the title of it is the signs of the Lord's power, which when you think about miracles, only God can do it because he is so powerful and because he has control over everything, which is mind boggling. He has control over everything, knowledge over everything. He's omniscient. It's completely cool. But we start in verse 1. It says, but Moses protested again. Remember, he was protesting God saying, I can't do this. I can't be the one. I can't be the one to set the people free. I can't be the one to deliver. Um, So Moses wasn't done protesting. Even after God kept giving him answer after answer after answer, Moses and God were having a great debate here. Only Moses was losing. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Why would he? You're just making this up. This is Moses' fear. Verse 2 says, Then the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? Moses replied, A shepherd's staff. Throw it on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff, and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. I would be like Moses in this scenario. I would be like, Lord, why a snake? I don't like snakes. But staff turned into a snake. Bam. Then verse 4 says, Then the Lord told him, Reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, And it turned back into the shepherd's staff in his hand. So let's think about this for a second. From a scientific standpoint, this makes no sense whatsoever. Not only because the staff turned into something different, but because the staff went from being a lifeless stick to a living creature that, and if you think about it, would have been complex in nature. I mean, snakes... I don't know how many of you guys have studied snakes who are listening to this. I don't study snakes, but I know when I watch 72 Australia talking about all the deadly animals, they're complex in their venom, they're complex in how they're made, their coloring, everything is complex about a snake. And what happens here is Moses drops his staff, just his lifeless stick, and it turns into a complex creature called a snake. That's crazy to me. That's a sign of the Lord's power. The Lord can take things that are lifeless and put life into them. The Lord can take things and just, in an instant, change the whole being of what it is Moses was holding. It's mind-boggling, and it doesn't make sense scientifically. 
which is why people want to discredit the Bible. Well, that never happened. But, you know, all the Bible is life um, is breathed by God. All the scriptures. And when we look at this, this is something that just utterly wouldn't make sense otherwise. Anyway, verse 4. Tell them to throw it down. Verse 5. Perform this sign, the Lord told them. They will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, really has appeared to you. So what we get from this verse, verse 5, is that the Lord does miracles for what purpose? We already talked about it a little bit earlier. One purpose that God does miracles is that he does miracles in order to help us and benefit us um, here within earth. So what do I mean by that? I mean, when Jesus would go and he would heal the sick, one purpose for the miracle was to show um, them not only the love for them and how much he cares about him, but it was to help those people get out of that sickness and to get up and walk again. But it's also twofold. And we also read this in the gospel in the story of where the people brought in their friend through the roof, I believe. It was the miracle where the Pharisee was like, who do you have the power to forgive? Because instead of telling the person, get up and walk, at first the Lord told this person who was crippled and couldn't walk that he forgave his sins. And so that's the first thing that we see with miracles is that miracles are meant to help us in this world and struggles when we, when we call on the name of God. But the second purpose we see in verse 5 is that they will believe that the Lord, the God, their ancestors, really has appeared to you. God uses miracles and supernatural intervention to point to him, to point to his power. Because what, what other explanation is there? There's none. There's no other explanation. A miracle happens, science tries to explain it. Science tries to rationalize it. Science, even historically, may say that never happened. That's a myth. That's a fairy tale. That was just something somebody wrote. It was metaphorical. It was an allegory. It was an analogy. But in reality, God uses these things that we can't make sense of in the here and now. Not only that science can't explain, but just defies the laws of nature in order to point to a higher power that can control those laws of nature and bend them at will. That is one reason that God uses miracles. So then, kind of going off that story in the gospel where the Pharisee came up and was like, what, what power do you have to forgive this person of their sins? God then told that man to get up and walk. And he did that to show that he was the son of God. He did have the power and authority of God. But it wasn't just to benefit the person who was crippled and needed to walk. It was also used to show the Pharisee just who Jesus the Messiah was. So that Pharisee could understand that the higher power involved really was of God, really was the Messiah. That was part of it. That was what the miracle was pointing to. The miracles point to a higher power. But then we pick up in verse 6 as well. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in. And when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after those two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. So it's interesting to me, and that's all. that was verse 6 through 9. What's interesting to me is that God will perform miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle to demonstrate his power. 
Because the fact about human nature and human will is that we want to rationalize it. We don't want to believe in a higher power all the time. I mean, think about all those people who spend their lives trying to say that God isn't real, trying to disprove him. Think about all those people who try to say, you know, those things didn't happen in the past, especially when it comes to Jesus' miracles. That same skeptical nature was found with the people in Egypt, the Israelites. The Israelites weren't just like, ooh, this has to be God. Because I know that a lot of us might think of historical figures as not as intelligent as us or not as well at comprehending things. But just because technology has advanced doesn't mean that these people didn't have an understanding of how the world worked around them and didn't have an understanding and the ability to be skeptical about what they saw. You have to remember, it, it's not like humans have just like gotten smarter and evolved over the past thousand years. In fact, God created all these people just as much as he would create us with gifts of understanding and intellect. And these people are just as skeptical as people around us today in society. So they see a miracle and they're like, well, maybe that's witchcraft or maybe that's something else or maybe that, you know, I don't know what that is, but it can't be God. Maybe it's some weird freak accident. People are trying to rationalize what they see. So God understands that. And God tells them to do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. Because he knows that the consistency of miracles will show the consistency of his power. And the consistent evidence that he is the higher power involved. Because if I was to come up to you and say, God sent me to deliver you out of Egypt. And people thought that God had forgotten them. People were like, well, we remember what you did or anything like that. People might have those doubts. But instead, what we find is that God instead of telling Moses, oh, you'll be fine. Those who, those who believe you will follow you. Those who won't will stay. God says, do this. Tell them who sent you, Yahweh, and then do these miracles to demonstrate my power so that way they will believe you. If they don't believe you the first time, demonstrate my power again like this. If they still are skeptical, demonstrate my power like this. It's interesting to me because these people, in spite of their skepticism, are being shown miracle after miracle after miracle. And how many of us today, or how many people today, witness miracle after miracle after miracle and they're trying to rationalize it and they're trying to figure out why something happened rather than looking up and being like is a higher power involved how many doctors have seen diseases go away or cancer go away and it's unexplainable it's a miracle but they don't point to the higher power they just try to figure out and say well maybe it's just some freak accident how many people completely skim over the idea of miracles in fact my brother I have a brother. He went to a church retreat and basically this kid, this kid had a cast on his ankle. He couldn't walk for some reason and he wasn't able to play the games. And when the people, when the pastors prayed over him, he was able to walk out of that camp. How many people watched that miracle and were able to point to a higher power, but how many people tried to rationalize it rather than surrendering the idea that it had to be something of this world? and rather looked above to the higher power. It just boggles my mind. It boggles my mind how people would rather rationalize and figure something out rather than just realizing it's beyond them. And not only that, but it's the, it's the hardcore scientists who are like, well, it's the black box of science. It's, it's science that we haven't yet figured out, but we will figure it out one day. How many people just skim over the fact that God is so big that he does what we cannot understand over and over and over and over again, 
to point to him. Boggles my mind. I basically just repeated the same thing over and over again for the past couple minutes. All that to say, boggles my mind. God does miracles over and over again. Praise his name. But in verse 10 we see, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I've never been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. And from this point on, this, this could almost be a, a tangent message. How, once again, we talked about yesterday how the Lord uses us even though we're asking who am I. This is kind of the who am I question again. So a quick tangent. Plead with the Lord. I'm not good with words. And the Lord said to Moses, or he asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I'll be with you as you speak and I'll instruct you in what to say. And... For the tangent part of this, Moses again pleads with the Lord. And in verse 14, he says, Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Just angry. All right, he said. And then basically he says his brother Aaron will speak on behalf of him and that they're going to go to the land and they're going to set the people free. That, that's the rest of, that's all the way into verse 17. Tangent message. God had a purpose for Moses, but Moses wasn't willing to do it, even though God would be with him. So even though God used Moses, if Moses had instead surrendered and been like, all right, God, I will do it your way, then who knows what, what would have happened. It's the fact that Moses argued with God and argued with God and argued with God that God was finally like, fine, here you are. Do it like this. He's angry. And I think sometimes that we do that with our lives. We're begging God. We're like, please, God, please, God, please, God. And eventually God will be like, all right, do it your way. But I guarantee you, in some respect, not that, not that the Lord's plan wouldn't have been carried out, you know, without like Moses talking. Because obviously um, the people were, were transferred to the promised land. But how much better would it have been, I wonder, if Moses had just surrendered and been like, all right, Lord, I'll do this. How much more power would there have been to him? It's just a question I ask. Because when it comes to us, at what point are we willing to surrender our own will and that God is going to use us in the way he purposed or that we're going to settle for less? Tangent message based off of yesterday. But regardless, moving on. Something I want to point out in verse 11. He says, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Going off of the power of God. Constantly and repeatedly we see throughout the Bible that God, he controls these aspects of us in order to point to a higher power. What do I mean? Well, let's look at the 37 miracles that Jesus performed in his ministry, right? So... First off, he the first one is he turns water into wine at a wedding. And then when we start to go down, we, we start to see a lot of cleansing and a lot of miracles when it comes to healing people. In fact, he says um, that he... I'm reading off a list. I lost my place. Excuse me. He heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. He raises a widow's son from the dead in Nain. Nain. He cleanses a man with leprosy. He heals many sick and oppressed at evening. He heals Peter's mother-in-law sick with fever. He also heals a woman in the crowd with an issue of blood. He heals two blind men. Kind of going, oh. And he also heals a man who is unable to speak. These two specifically kind of go back to what we see in Exodus. When God asks Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? It is it not I, the Lord, who created them? 
I created them and I can heal them. I can control that aspect of their life because why? I'm all powerful. And what we see is in Jesus' ministry, we see God demonstrate that power by healing people with problems with their blood, with problems with their sight, with problems that happen in a deterioration of life here on earth, but the Lord can do miraculous things. Why does he do it? Once again, to not only benefit us, but to point to his power. It's supernatural intervention. Supernatural intervention is a footprint of what God is doing on earth to point to him. And quite honestly, all that we see around us is a direction to him and points specifically to him. But even after Jesus' ministry in Acts, we see even after that in Acts chapter 2 verse 14, but Peter standing with the eleven lifted up his voice, this is after Pentecost, and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem. Let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. I find that really interesting that he says, for these people are not drunk as you suppose since it is only the third hour of the day. It's I find that interesting. That's To me, that's like reading, for these people aren't drunk, it's only like 9 o'clock in the morning, or it, it's something like that. I just, I think it's interesting that he points that out. People aren't drinking that early in the day when this happened, but he said, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now, to give a little background, right now, they are, they're speaking in tongues. So that that's the thing. Like, he's talking about, they're not drunk, they're speaking in tongues, because the Holy Spirit has come upon them. That's the context of what's going on. But he says in verse 17, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and they will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bam. Right there. But what I want to point out is in verse 19, he says, And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. There will be wonders, there will be signs, there will be things that don't make sense in this world and our understanding of the laws in which God created so this world functions in a certain way. They will be supernatural intervention to point to his power. It's just interesting to me. And then we even go to, we go to Acts 19. When we go to verse 11. I just love how simple this was. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the, to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. What we see is that God empowers us. He's using us. He's using miracles, not just back then, not just back in the time of Pentecost and Acts, not just back with Moses. He is constantly using miracles in order to point to his higher power. And... What we have to do is recognize that what is going on is not just something that one day science will explain. Because the fact of the matter is science points to the idea of God, true science. I'm not talking about the, quote, sciences of like evolution and other things that ultimately don't point to God. They point to an atheistic framework. I'm talking about true science, untainted by personal bias, points to the power of God. Not just that. But what science can't explain also points to the power of God. And that's what we consistently see over and over and over and over again. 
So when we go back to that John Shelby Spong quote about how Christianity is not about supernatural intervention, I'm sorry, I don't care how much of a clergyman he was. Clearly, one of two things. He never saw a miracle, which honestly, I think to some degree, at some point in our lives, we will see some sort of miracle and right before our eyes or something that just can't be explained. Or two, he was one of those people that we see today in society who thinks that supernatural intervention doesn't exist. It has to be scientifically explained. It has to be explained on the outside. It just has to be something that is a part of this world that we don't know about. When in reality, that's not the case at all. So if you're wondering today, you know, is God real? Is there really a God? I encourage you, look to the miracles that happen. I mean, I go to a church where we constantly read praise reports of things that would only happen by the power of God. But just pray. Just pray and ask Him in full expectation of His goodness in your life. Because the Lord will be good to you. And oftentimes that might involve a miracle. And the Lord, whether it be something small like delivering you from an addiction or delivering you through from a situation you can't get yourself out of to something more serious like I have a disease and an illness, I need it gone. God wants to meet you. God wants to heal you. God wants to do those things. Or even if God doesn't, God wants to make sure that you're walking the plan and purpose for your life. And that's a whole other topic. We're not necessarily going to get into that. But God does want to use miracles to point to his higher power. That's and to benefit your life. So, if any of you guys are wondering if God is real, just look to the miracles happening around you every single day. Now, something that I'm going to be doing at the end of all my podcasts, starting on the next one, is if you have any questions about this podcast or about this message that you would like to be answered, you can send them in on, I actually believe there's some, if you have the Anchor app, if you have the Anchor anchor.fm slash beingboldmcr you can actually message in those questions or if you're listening on apple or anything go to the instagram page beingboldmcr and then press the email button and email in your questions and then on the next episode that we're going to be having which i think we're going to be starting a new series called big god then that's when we'll answer the questions about today's podcast and today's message so thank you guys for listening make sure to share go out Be good messengers, conquerors, revivalists, and no matter what you do, make sure that you continue to be bold.